Shot Nine of The Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals by Harry Houdini. Shot 9. Begging Letter Swindles. Every section of the country, almost every city, has one or more begging letter writers who ply their trade with greater or less success and exercise their arts upon the simple and credulous. These clever rascals range all the way from the ignorant crook that writes a pitiful story of want and misery, and who neither receives nor expects more than a few dollars at a time, to the master of the craft who goes about it like a regular business has a well-organized office and a force of stenographers and clerks who are kept busy day in and day out sending off and receiving mail. Several remarkable cases have been unearthed only lately, where the fake was receiving hundreds of letters daily, the large majority of them containing money. The post office authorities, however, have been getting after this class of rogues very sharply of late, and any organized plundering by the use of the mails is almost certain to come to an untimely end sooner or later. If anyone has reason to believe that a business of the kind is conducted on fraudulent lines, a complaint to one of the post office inspectors in any large city will quickly bring a fraud order against the party, restraining them from use of the mails, and a rigid investigation follows. Then the game is up, and it's back to the tall timber for them. It is a well-known fact, however, that this recourse to the fraud order is frequently used by unprincipled persons, out of spite, and to obtain revenge upon those who are actually conducting a legitimate business. The fraudulent advertisement is often an adjunct to the bogus letter scheme, and designed to get names to whom a special kind of letter may be written. One of the most daring schemes of this kind was unearthed a short time ago in New York City. A man fitted up a suite of offices in elegant style in one of the large office buildings. He then traveled to South Dakota, and under the laws of that state, incorporated a stock company with a capitalization of $5 million. It was called a commercial and mining company. Returning to New York, he instructed the press clipping bureau to save him the obituary notices of all males that died in the states other than New York, just far enough away from the center of operations to be comfortable for him. Using these obituary notices for guides, he would write to the dead man, notifying him that the last payment was due on the 500 or 1,000 shares of stock which he had bought at 50 cents a share. He congratulated the man on his foresight on investing in this stock, as it had gone up several points and was still rising in value. He begged that a remittance and final payment of this stock should be sent at once. A beautifully engrossed certificate of stock was enclosed in the letter to the dead man, and the inevitable result was that the surviving relatives, thinking the departed one had bought this stock quietly and forgotten to mention it, sent on a check for all the way from five hundred to one hundred dollars as requested. It was one of the prettiest schemes that has been worked for a long time, and the actual amount of money realized by the swindler will never be known. Such a snap could not last long, however, and the promulgator of the swindle was soon detected and brought to trial. One man advertised to sell ten yards of good silk for twenty-five cents, and so worded his announcement as to suggest a bankrupt sale or smuggled goods. For a time he reaped a rich harvest. 
money came thick and fast. To each of his dupes he mailed ten yards of sewing silk. Another rascal offered a complete and perfect sewing machine for one dollar. He also gathered in the dollars at a rapid rate, till Uncle Sam put a stop to his operations. He sent his victims a common sewing needle. This is quite in line with the fellow who advertised a few years ago to tell a sure way of getting rid of chinch bugs for one dollar. After the victim had sent the dollar, he received by mail a card upon which was printed the following. Catch the chinch bug. Hold it by the legs carefully between the thumb and forefinger. Lay its head on the anvil and hit it with a hammer as hard as you can. Many of these advertisements are inserted merely to receive names and addresses of credulous people. The lists of names are then sold or rented out to fake mail order houses who proceed to circularize them. Chain letter schemes are now declared illegal, but for some time a number of clever dodges of this kind were worked throughout the United States as well as on the continent. A brief description of one of these schemes will show the character of this kind of enterprise. The scheme was where a trip to the Paris Exposition with $200 for expenses was offered as a prize. Each person entering the contest was required to pay 30 cents then send to friends two letters requesting them to send their names to the original promoter and send duplicate letters to two of their friends, the operation to be repeated indefinitely. Each person writing to the original promoter was to receive an offer, allowing him to start a chain on his own account on payment of 30 cents, the trip and money going to the one whose chain brings out the largest number of letters. The ostensible object was to secure names for employment at the exposition. End of shot nine. Recording by Leanne Howlett.